Hello, assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome to the Fair Income Podcast. We have Ashraf, Sahil, and Ali. And we have our beloved Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim, all the way from Perth. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing, Sheikh? I'm wonderful, alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah khair for having me. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, well, the boys and I, uh, we're having a bit of a discussion about the whole Perth versus Melbourne thing. There's a, there was a bit of a Twitter rivalry going on between the two cities. Um, do you have, please don't be biased, which one do you reckon is a better city, in your opinion? Well, I live in Perth, so that should be the answer, isn't it? Oh, you can't be biased. <laughs> can't be biased. You gotta give us. You gotta give us a bit more context as to why. All right, uh, <laughs> you guys have daylight savings. We don't. Alhamdulillah, our Ramadans are shorter. Mashallah, tabarakallah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot more sun, a lot more warmth uh, than you brothers, and uh, I think one of the best things uh, probably about Perth is just the people of WA are a lot more. Um, Gentle. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great answer. <laughs> Good way yeah. to put it. I actually wouldn't disagree with him about the gentle part. You yeah. know? <laughs> but khair, inshallah. Um, well, the boys wanted to, they got a few questions. So yes, I'm, I'm going to let you guys do it because I'm really interested to hear about what okay. you got to say in this. So obviously we had the discussion of what we should ask you. You know, when a guest comes on, we're all excited. What should we ask? What should we ask? And a big topic, a lecture that we all love is what it means to be a man. Oh, all right. And we're all young, 21, 22, 23. All and right. So, I, uh, look, I've just written a piece uh, for yaqeeninstitute.org. I don't know if you're familiar um, with Yaqeen Institute. Um, Sheikh Omar Salaman, a good man, a uh, good brother, mashallah. And uh, there was a series about gender relations. Mm -hmm. So you had, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, mashallah, a few sisters, uh, a few doctors who wrote about it, uh, PhDs and so on from ladies' issues, ladies' gender issues, uh, about toxic ma uh, masculinity, mm -hmm. uh, written by uh, Dr. Jonathan Brown. Uh, and I had a piece, it was about the prophetic model of masculinity. So how do you become that ar-rajul al-kamil, you know, a complete mm -hmm. man, which is, you know, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the things I think that, that we fail at as a community in general is that we don't help each other to grow. Yeah. So you find a lot of single mothers, mashallah, uh, who struggle just because there aren't any big brothers who want to assist with these sisters, helping mm -hmm. them raise their young young men into men. Yeah. So the, the way the Arab used to operate at the time of the Prophet was, and one of the most famous poems of pre-Islamic Arabia talks about masculinity. So it says, for the first four or five years of a person, a child's life, they were raised by women. Mm -hmm. Even the Prophet said, Halima Sa'diya, and you know, the, the people who were all around him were women. And then he went to his qawm, mm -hmm. the men take you. Because it takes men to raise men. And it takes uh, a village to raise a, a man. You know, it takes everybody's mm -hmm. concerted effort. Uh, so one of the things that is a sign that our community isn't doing it right, is we don't have big brother programs. We don't have uh, older brothers mentoring younger brothers yeah. and teaching them how to, um, to be men, which is something I think is a good business model mm. because a lot of families will pay you That's true. to help them with yeah. their kids. So if yeah. you're like, oh, what can I do? You know, uh, well, uh, you know, study youth work, mm. uh, psychology, 
uh, get involved in social services mm. and you'll be funded mm. uh, both by governmental agencies and certainly I would give you money. And alhamdulillah, I, I hope, inshallah, I pray that Allah makes me a good father. Mm. But I would give you money to take my kid to a camp. I would give you money to see him every Thursday, yeah. to do uh, tahajjud prayers, to buy him pizza and keep him engaged and mm. get him off Instagram and, you know, <laughs> you know all that kind of yeah, things. Because my kids are getting to that age where I, they, they need positive male role models. We're going to patent that idea and leave it as a Do it, man. Do it, man. Uh, the, you know, uh, Muslim big brother. And, uh, and, and don't make it just for Muslims. You know, allow anybody who wants, um, you know, to have you influence positively mm. their kids uh, in, in the right way. So mm. that, uh, being a good man is, a, yeah. is, is hard work. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's for the children, obviously, us mm. to be those. But then how do we get in the place to mentor the kids? You know, us as 20, yeah. us age, we might not have those people above us. Yeah. So then how do we become those people? Yeah. Because it's a big issue. So that, that piece about prophetic masculinity, I think, is something that uh, could be a, a good resource. And that whole gender series is really, mm -hmm. really important. Uh, one of the things about being um, a man is there's the element of being prepared for the unexpected. Mm -hmm. So when you hear Umar radiallahu anhu, by the way, it's not a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu It's actually the words of Umar ibn Khattab, where he says, Teach your children teacher your, your young men to swim mm. and you got to put that in the context of a guy standing in the middle of a desert mm. you know it's <laughs> landlocked you're in, you're in the Dina, there's no water in, around mm. and you know people are puzzled why why do why do my kids need to learn how to swim you should mm. teach us how to you know like sand dune yeah. bashing or something yeah. you know why 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 swimming yeah. but because he didn't learn how to swim. He wasn't, ne it wasn't necessary knowledge for his generation. Mm. But it's almost as if he could say, our kids are not going to stay in this land. They're going to travel the seas. So in our context, I would say to you, learn Indonesian, learn Cantonese, <clears throat> be, uh, uh, you know, literate in the language of economics. Mm understand what interest rates mean mm. <laughs> learn things that uh, go beyond the conventional knowledge that most muslims kind of know a little bit about so you want to uh, become a well-rounded person uh, at the ulama they talk about knowledge as being something that you know something about everything whether it's about a little bit about chemistry a little bit about you know pharmaceutics a little bit about sociology, a little bit about economics, that when you read a newspaper, you know a little bit of a background about every issue. Mm. And one of the problems that we have at times is that the least literate amongst us have the loudest voices. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're given space to speak on our behalf. Sometimes it's agendas, of mm. course, that certain people are given platforms just because um, they have you know, an image that vested interest wants to propagate as being our voice, yeah. which isn't, and it usurps our our voice. Um, so the more literate you are and the more you're able to garner that influence and, and have a voice and speak up becomes um, an important platform. And that's why I thought I'd share with you, the uh, you know, here this morning today yeah. to raise your voice. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, Sheikh, we knew you as very lovable, 
You know? <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to say the rest. Is, is, is that a nice way of saying you were a big dude? <laughs> <laughs> you were cuddly. I, I, had, I had to be very careful because I, I got blood tests recently and I asked the doctor all my problems. Well, he just said, oh, mate, you're fat, essentially. <laughs> so, oh, <wow. laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. So I don't want to really offend anyone because I know how that yeah. made me feel. But um, honestly, Sheikh, we, we really want to know the um, the link between... The spiritual, the physical, and the psychological. Mm. Because honestly, and I feel like they, if one lacks, then the other one will mm. have an effect or have an effect on the other one. Can you give us like a little brief on this? Like, uh, from the sunnah isn't practiced in isolation. So you can't practice um, the sunnah of lowering your gaze and doing these kind of things and at the same time not practice the sunnah of seeking to get married early. You can't have one and say, oh, I'm going to do this, but I'm not, but we're not allowed to do that. So it's the same thing when it comes to food, health, uh, well-being. Uh, I was saying uh, to Ashraf, I was saying, um, you know, I, I, I do want to teach a, a course about well-being because it's one of those topics you don't hear enough about. Uh, I mean, for brothers in particular. Because like well-being is like a sister topic. Yeah. Like, oh, mashallah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about nails. Very and, soft and, topic. You know, <laughs> how to keep your hair and, you know, all that kind of. No. Uh, so when you look at the life of the Prophet, I said, I mean, it was a life of well-being. It was a person who was balanced. Um, and, you know, there were three guiding verses that I think when I began my journey to getting healthier, not losing weight, but getting healthier. Yeah. Most people, they ask me the wrong question. They say, uh, How? How did you lose so much weight? Because, you know, I've lost close to 50 kilos mashallah. in four years, mashallah. mashallah. So how did you lose? It's the wrong question. It's why. Mm. So if you have the reason why, then the how will happen. Mm-hmm. Because why do I want to lose weight? Well, you know, I want to live longer. That's one. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, a... Uh, you're going to, you know, you, you'll likely to die earlier from illnesses that are preventable just on account of that. Number two for me was I want to have a greater quality of life with my young family and I want to be able to do more things. I, I was still a very much a go-getter, very sporty and, you know, all that kind of thing, but I could always do more. And that was something that I envisioned. Mm. Number three was um, I'm also seen as a public example of Islam. And it's tough that you see a lot of uh, those who stand on the mimbar who don't project the healthiest uh, image. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, you know, it's it's an because you're standing there, brothers and sisters, <laughs> you know. I was like, dude, that that dude's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> like his stomach's moving with his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's not at a mockery, but it's like yeah. it's almost a level of inconsistency. May Allah protect yeah. us. Yeah. Now, at the time, although I knew that within myself, um, and I wanted to make changes in it, it was well, where do I begin? Mm. So the beginning is why. It's not how. And um, I wasn't always heavy, like heavy, heavy. So I was, you know, I was cuddly, as you said. <laughs> I was lovable. Lovable, that's the one. But I wasn't always like, you know, big, big. Mm. And every year you'd put on two or three kilos. But over 20 years, mm. 
that's quite a bit. And you'd lose a couple and then put on a couple. And then, lo- you know, it was always yeah. this ongoing thing. So it was always something I was kind of conscious about. Um, so the three verses that I think that were really important in kicking it off was, Allah says, Kulu washrabu wala tusrifu. Eat, drink, whatever you want. That's halal. But don't be excessive. And I know it sounds real simple. Mm-hmm. But it's true. You and I as human beings, we were meant to lose willpower. Willpower is not absolute. You can never just say, I'm never going to touch a cake, a piece of cake again. <laughs> I'm never, ever going to, you know, do this or do. And that's why there's ghadd al-basar. The first look is yours. The second one is a count. So because the first one's going to happen. Every so often you're going to slip up. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Ma mu'min. There isn't a believer, وسلم, except that he will have a, a sin and a slip, zalla, that is between him and Allah, that he goes back, repents from it, goes back, goes back, repents, goes back. And that's why you want your best day to be your last day, that it's a day of repentance, not a day of restarting the sin, mm. right? So, kulu wa to eat, drink, and but don't, not too much. So one of the things that, you know, I had uh, a friend who's, you know, he's a counselor. He's a clinical psychologist. He's, you know, a, a professor in it. And he said, yeah, yeah, you're, you know, one of the first things you got to learn is you can't say no forever. So it's better for you to say yes and have something of it than to say no. Because if you say no today, no tomorrow, the third day you're going to binge. Mm. And you're not going to have a pe- you're not going to have a bite of the cake you're going to have the cake and ice cream. <laughs> and subhanallah if you look at your life it's just, that's just how it is. So we we have that we're prone to resist resi- try to resist but you're going to going to slip up. The second yeah. verse was um uh, uh, everything that has life you know, organically like us uh is from water. And whatever amount of water you're drinking now, it's not enough. Or you're drinking the wrong way, in a way that is in the sunnah. So if you're chug-a-lugging, it's not the sunnah. Mm-hmm. And it's actually expanding your stomach volume. If you're drinking while eating, it's causing gases that doesn't don't need to be there, that expands your stomach, that makes you feel hungrier than what you were. So the Prophet ﷺ rarely drank cold water. It wasn't something found there. They didn't have fridges and freezers. Mm. He didn't have ice cubes to put in. They didn't have the fizzy drinks that, you know, blow out your your stomach capacity. All of those are kind of things that when you put them into combination, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Um, Water is also one of the key detoxifiers of your body. So you need to go to the bathroom regularly to get things out of you because that's going to engender well-being. It's a way of you. Um, The third aspect was sleep. Sleep is what gives your body the the balance that it needs. And Allah says, You know, night was made for rest. So if you're not resting at night enough in the way that is sunnah, it was something I was speaking about in my course. I'm doing the tafsir of Surah Yasin and Surah Ar-Rahman. Uh, uh, you know, al-layl is, you know, it's a 
powerful, powerful time. Um, the Prophet ﷺ every day slept six, uh, seven hours, not all in one go. He would sleep half the night and half was wake, wakeful. The half that he was awake was a third of the night in prayer. Then he would sleep again and then he would pray another sixth of the night. And then in the daytime, he would have a catch-up nap of an hour mm -hmm. after Salat al-Dhuhr before Asr, Qaylula, mm -hmm. siesta. That was a prophetic model, consistent model. Whether he traveled or was, you know, that was his habit, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Many hadith, you know, Aisha says the Prophet was laying down and his head was in my lap. You know, and I would comb his hair and, you know, that kind of lovey-dovey stuff, mashallah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa radiallahu Aisha. So rest is really, really important. To sleep in absolute dark is a sunnah. Uh, the Prophet says, turn off all the lights, all the candles, all your suraj, put them out before you sleep. It has a safety value. It'll save you money in your electrical bill. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also allows the melatonin levels in your body to give you a deeper sleep and to allow your body to generate. Uh, your cells do not regenerate during daytime sleep. It's only during nighttime sleep. It is a sign of mental illness when a person can't sleep at night. There's something not right. Mm -hmm. There's something not right with you that mm -hmm. makes you unable to sleep and they'll have to give you something to put you to sleep because your brain is going to fracture. Oh. You're going to enter into places that you don't want to be. Uh, sleep is not just meant for rest, but it's for healing. So anytime you're unwell, what does your body tell you to do? Oh, I just want to get to bed. I want to go to sleep yeah, because that's the way it, it fixes itself. So if you don't want to get unwell, sleep well. Yeah. So when you put those three things together, and there's other things, of course, there's exercise regimes. And as I said, the sunnah is putting everything together. So the prophet used to walk. When they describe his walking, they would say when the prophet walked, people had to run to catch him. It's like he didn't walk like a, you know, like a slouch. Yeah. When he prayed, he wasn't bent over. You know, there was um, research out of uh, Harvard University about the positions of salat. And the BBC broadcast it maybe six, six months ago. It's in, uh, probably on their website until now. Where the positions of salat is one of the, you know, the, the, is one of the best deterrents and the best ways of rectifying uh, back ailments, back mm -hmm. illness. You know, the actual position where you put your leg up that way and your knee in that way and you, you know, those positions and the times that it's done. One of the ways that you can prevent and cut your rate of having a stroke in life is waking up in the middle of the night because your blood coagulates. And if you're not drinking enough water and you're asleep for 15 hours or 12 hours, you're just laying in bed on your back, you're putting your chance at greater risk of strokes. So just getting up for Fajr and then walking to the masjid or even driving and putting your foot up in the sink and making wudu, all of those are really, really important sunnah aspects, you know, way of life aspects that lead to a better quality of life. So my journey was more about uh, about the why, not the how. Mm, yeah. Once you have the why. Was there a moment that clicked that made you have the why? Because you probably knew about this 
before when you were adding the kilos you probably did realize oh it is the sunnah to walk around mm. to eat well <laughs> yeah what was the click or the moment was it family friends someone um, <laughs> Mm, it wasn't uh, no. Uh, see, people were always, uh, as you said, like you you saw me as cuddly, but you never come <laughs> up and say that, right? Um, and and you know, be having been somebody who lived like that for a considerable period of time, I'm very appreciative that there were not people who were sarcastic and rude, mm-hmm. or who would come up to me and say. Hey, you should do something about mm. that. Or they grab you and say, "Mashallah." Yeah, well, I never had that. <laughs> on there. Um, but I did have, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, elders, and and others who would email me, and they would say, "Brother Yahya, you're doing such great work. Uh, I want you to take take a little bit more care of yourself. Mm. As you're taking That's care of our community, please do take care of yourself." So you'd see, it, you'd know what they mean by it, yeah. but you mm. would want to. And it wasn't meant to be shameful or, uh, you know, to make you feel uh, that way. Um, There wasn't a moment. There wasn't a moment that kind of, oh, that's it. Oh, oh my God, I got to do something now. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't like that at all. Uh, I think I turned, you know, I was getting close to 40 years old. I'm 42 now, alhamdulillah. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, I was getting close to 40. And, you know, you read in the Quran, You know, let me thank for you. Thank you, O oh Allah, for the 40 years that I've had. Meaning that it's all downhill from now. Because you get to 40 and that that's your, it. That that's your the plateau. Yeah. You're no longer shab. You're now, you know, you're, it's, it's fine, all yeah. the 40-year-olds sitting there, brother. You know. <laughs> Midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> it, so, so it's like it's downhill. So whatever you had of strength is now going to go the other way. So what you gained is going to be repealed. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. So your knees are going to go. Your back is going to go. It's already happening now. I'm 23. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. So okay, no, I need maybe you know I need to take this a little bit more seriously, and uh, the only way for me to accomplish it was professional help. So what I would say to someone who is in my uh, particular condition is, you're very unlikely to accomplish it on your own. You will need a dietitian. You will need uh, support of your family, and you need to be very open with this idea that this is something I have to make a complete life change. So I have to walk more, eat different things, buy different things, not go to the normal shops, uh, go to organic uh, kind of, Mm. yeah, processes in life. Yeah, but it's worth it. And it's a struggle. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. But alhamdulillah, Mm. yeah. Uh, and it's only Allah who leads us to that which is good. <coughs> All right, Sheikh. I wanted to tell you a little incident that happened at one of your lectures. Yes. Oh. So, <laughs> re- oh, here we go. So uh, recently, uh, you had the lecture with Podium. I think it was uh, Let's Talk About Love. Okay, like yes. That. Yeah, uh, we were sitting and you had the, the singles and then I think Sister Dahlia had the, the couples upstairs. Okay. So I was in the singles area. Not yeah. dropping any hints or anything, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I was sitting in the single section, and um, I remember you. This is just an introduction into the question that Ali wants to ask you. So, 
sitting there listening to you and then me and my mates were talking, yeah, everything makes sense. And then you said, don't approach until you have a J-O-B. Yeah. And, then, and then my mate looked and goes, What's a J-O-B, man? <laughs> well, if he doesn't know, he don't got it. Hundred <laughs> percent. And then we looked at him. We go, and three, three of them were all confused. I'm like, you don't know how to spell his job. What's wrong? With it? And then they're like, oh. But um, I'm gonna let Ali ask this question because mm. I know it's been, uh, it's been rare too. So, so Sheikh, I've been waiting for this question the whole podcast. <laughs> I've been waiting patiently. But a lot of my friends listen to you, and they know they know you as kind of the love guru. You speak okay. a lot of lectures, talk about love, like the podium as well. Mm. So we want to ask you, so about marriage, but with the early stages. So like getting to know p- someone, wanting to approach a person the right way, especially nowadays with social media, how easy it mm. is to access, to speak to the other gender. So we'd like to know some advice or what you have. And love that. is very natural. And it's one of the greatest acts of Ibadah. So I encourage you to fall in love. Absolutely. Uh, but acting out of the emotions of love in a way that isn't um, in line with our Islamic ideals is where we enter into haram. Mm. So can you have a crush on someone from a distance and your heart you know, flutters when you see that particular sister and you're like, inshallah. <laughs> you know, it's like, inshallah. And can a sister from a distance like, subhanAllah, mashallah. Allah is Ahsan al He's created things in, in the most spectacular way. Yeah. The answer is yes. So Al-Imam ibn al-Qayyim talks about two levels of love. Love that is self-induced. You look at the person, you hear about them, you find out what they're doing in their life, who their family is. You're like, wow, this is it. The other love is accidental. And in both cases, Imam Ibn Qayyim, Imam Ibn Hazm, the ulama, they agree that love is in the heart and it is Allah who controls the hearts. And Allah subhanahu, the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah holds the hearts of mankind in his hand. He turns it from one way to another. There's people you see and you hate. And there's people you see and you love. <laughs> and it's not necessarily that that person is like, no, I don't love them. I, I can't love them because they're not good people. It's just the heart doesn't incline. That's with Allah. Mm. So Islam does not ever seek to police feelings. Islam doesn't mm. police feelings. I And I'm not, uh, the Prophet says, I was in order to open a chest of someone and look in their heart. What's there? What are they doing? What are they thinking? So what is in your mind? And that terrified the Sahaba when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in ma fi anfusikum Whether you display something or you hide it inside yourself, Allah will hold you accountable. The Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, This verse has come, we can't, how are we gonna live? If I'm thinking about this person in, in love or in a good way or in a, I'm gonna be held accountable. And the Prophet ﷺ censored them. And Allah is the one who said, had you not said, why didn't you say, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنَّ وَأَخْطَأْنَا You know, sometimes I'll make a mistake. and you know. So for you and I, love is a profound emotion. But if it's acted upon within a way that is outside the constructs of our deen, it becomes sinful in its action, not in its feeling. So, 
Falling in love is a beautiful thing, but now you want to transition from this is the person to making them mine. And that requires um, steps within yourself, steps within your family, and steps towards herself and her family. I'm speaking from a man, uh, from a brother's perspective. So you got to get your act together. Uh, you have to be a man. What what is a man? What's a man required to do? Um, did you know it is haram? See, marriage can be haram, mustahab, mubah, makruh. It can be each one of those ahkam in our Sharia. It's haram for a person who can't sustain a marriage life. Mm. It's haram for you to come to someone and say, I want to get married to you, and you can't afford to clothe her, feed her, shelter. It's haram. It's mustahab for somebody who has the means, has the desire, and for no reason doesn't. It's mustahab for you. You should step forward. Mm. It is mubah for the one who's getting the means, almost in the means, to begin to look. It's makruh for the one who doesn't have the means but has the desire, right? Mm. All of it is. So you ha we have to, as men, get our act together. You and I, uh, what is mine is mine and hers. What is hers is hers, right? That's, that's our deen. Mm. So a, a, a Muslim woman, from the day she's born until the day she dies, she doesn't have to earn a dollar. She goes from her father's custody. If her father isn't there, her uncle, her brothers, her, her family's custody of looking after her financial needs, food and clothes and shelter and all of these essentials of life. She doesn't, ha it's, it's, her, uh, it's her prerogative to be gifted them by those who are men who are ordered to maintain her. And then you shake the hand as a father, I'll shake the hand inshallah and I'll say, you're going to take over? He's like, Qabiltu. It's like, death sentence. No, no. <laughs> life sentence. Life sentence. It's like, Qabiltu. It's like, okay, she's yours. And la qadr Allah, if she becomes widowed or if there's divorce, she reverts back to the father, the brother, the mm. uncle until death mm. or until another marriage. Or So that's a great ni'mah. Of course, she can work along the way in her prerogative. She can earn her own. She can... Uh, Khadija radiallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet was wealthier than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa right? It's not about, I can't give zakah to my wife, but my wife can give zakah to me. Like I can't give charity and say, hey honey, you know, I, I see you struggling a little bit. This is from my sadaqah, this is from my zakah. It's haram because the nafaqah is my responsibility. I can't give zakah to my father and mother, but my wife can give me zakah. Because she's not obligated to give me a dollar. Nothing. So if she gives me something, it is a sadaqah or it can be zakah. She can say, this is from the zakah of my gold. This is from the zakah of my business. Help yourself out. Help our family out. Right? Yes. Mm. It's zakah. Um, so we have to get our act together. As men stepping forward, we have to consolidate our strength. Ashuddahu. Hatta idha ashuddahu. You gain strength within yourself. So once you have that strength, it's very easy to come to your father and your mother and say, I found the right person. I mm. believe I want you to help me capture them. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> we're going hunting. Right? <laughs> All right. So yeah. we're going to set a trap. You know, we're going to meet at the mosque or, you know, there's going to be a way that I want my mom, my sister, my cousin, 
to get to know this particular sister and just say, hey, do you know? And um, make that introduction. Uh, I know today it's um, much easier to just DM someone or SMS or, mm. you know, just say, hey, would you like to have a coffee? Uh, but I would caution against that in the first instance that if you already know this person is the one that you are interested in, the, the right move to show that you're serious for marriage and not just, you Use know. Heck, heck. Hi, yeah, okay. Is that, heck, you, heck, <laughs> is, that, is that the lingo now? That's the lingo. Man, I got to get a notebook. <laughs> All right. You know, if it's that kind of thing, um, because a sister who's looking for marriage ain't interested in that. And if somebody comes up with that, she's like, hey, who's this guy? Why is he talking to me? I don't want anybody to talk to me. I'm not your shorty. I'm not, you know, mm. I'm not interested in that. So if you're thinking of marriage and it's not just that, uh, you know, stuff, then the right way is to walk through the door, not jump through a window. You got to knock on the front door. You got to say, you know, mom, I need you to help me or dad. I want you to, you know, uh, to do this the right way. And it puts people in a place where they feel honored. You know, that art of chivalry where you make the sister feel that you're the chaser. Man, your wife will remember that the rest of her life. <laughs> she would tell you, my wife still tells my kids, you know your dad chased me, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't listen to your mom, boy. <laughs> you, you, she, you know, there's that pursuit. There's, because anything worth attaining shouldn't come easy, should be cheap. So I say that to the sisters, you know, don't make it easy. Uh, don't be standoffish in this. Oh, and then, oh my God, I lost him. How dare I lose? No, you know, but it shouldn't be, don't cheapen yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be through the front door. And the third and, and final thing that I will say is um, don't feel disheartened if it doesn't happen. Mm. Subhanallah. Uh, because your qadr is your qadr. Uh, so dua becomes really important. And I'll end with this. I know you're, you know, uh, we're getting to that limit. Sometimes we're making du'a for one particular person. Like, just say you, Ya Allah, I want Aisha. Ya Allah, Aisha, Aisha, this girl, Aisha. And she's the one in your mind, in your heart, Aisha, Ya Allah. And Layla Taqadda, you know, Layla Taqadr is like, I'm going to do it every night because I, I want to be sure in Ramadan. And Until you start Layla Taqadr du'a in like the 10th night, you know. <laughs> I got to get it, right? And then you find out she got engaged and got married. And you're like, whoa. That escalated quickly. What happened? <laughs> I was making dua and I missed out. And you kind of feel upset. And all of a sudden, your mom, you know, a week later, two weeks later, she comes and she says, listen, there's this really nice girl. Her name is, you know, Fatima. Uh, do you want to meet her? And you're like, no. Nah. And it's like, but hold on a second. Your mom's like, listen, she's really young. You're like, no, nah, mom. It's like, oh. <laughs> and your dua for Aisha is being answered, but you're just not seeing it with your heart. You're looking with your eyes. So why did you want Aisha in the first place? Well, she was pretty, mashallah. She had that pretty pink scarf in, mashallah. She wears a <laughs> scarf, mashallah. She's relatively, alhamdulillah, well-educated. She comes from a good family. She seems like she's soft and nurturing, would make a really good mother. 
Uh, she's got that beautiful smile from a distance, mashallah, but it's not one of those smiles she gives out freely to guys and stuff. She's got, you know, haya, and she's not like smiling at the whole, eh? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So there's all this, you know, so that's what you liked in Aisha. So you're making dua, oh Allah, I want Aisha. It's not you want Aisha, it's you want what Aisha represents. So all of a sudden, your mom bringing you Aisha, but her name's actually Fatima. She's bringing that girl who's modest, who's educated from a great family, who's beautiful, who's... But if you are looking only with your eyes and not your heart, the answer to your dua, to your istikhara is there, mm. but you missed out. So don't ever assume that it's only the one that I am seeing. And that's why you even hear in, in, in the language of, you know, uh, Muslims and non-Muslims out there, there's a lot of fish in the sea. Yeah. It's not, you know, there's a lot of sharks in the sea as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be careful. But with the qadr of Allah, um, the answer to our dua is never only in the way that we seek to have it answered. So perhaps Allah is answering your dua of what everything you wanted in Aisha but it's actually found under the title or the name of this Fatima. Uh, so may Allah give us uh, what is best for our dunya and akhirah. Allahumma ameen. Ameen, Ya Rabbi Ameen. Well, we wanted to thank you very much, Sheikh, for coming on. I hope we get another chance to speak to you again soon, inshallah. Ameen. Ameen. When you do come to Melbourne, inshallah, Ashraf will find out. We'll meet you for another day. we at the airport. Uh. <laughs> uh, look, it's an honor and a privilege. Keep doing what you're doing. It's, uh, I'm happy to have taken part in, in this in, in any small way. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads others to good through you and that this is something you continue to do uh, evermore and build on that business idea of big brothers. That's it. Allah Yeah, that's it. I was gonna ask him a question, but we'll, no time. Yeah, no time. Allah Off mic. Thank you very much, Sheikh. Um, like we said, thank you for listening to the Fairhaven podcast. Um, like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you've got to do. Follow us on Instagram on Twitter and uh, yeah thank you for listening guys and remember to follow and like Yahya Ibrahim as well as well yeah we've got to plug Sheikh Yahya Assalamu Alaikum <laughs>